You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey guys, how's it going? Happy day ten week. All right, we're in season. David Hall. For sure. Happy speed weeks. Or week. Greg Hectus. Let's go racing. Let's go racing, boys. And special guest returning, Evan Pasoko. Hey guys, thanks for having me back for another year. Well, boy, I can't believe it. Is it the thirteenth season now? I know our uh, our little series is a teenager now. <laughs> it's kind of funny, uh, you know, how old the series was. I know just a couple of years ago talking about, uh, you know, it being a 10 year anniversary. And uh, yeah, we're on 13 years running strong way back to 2010 and uh, hasn't felt like 13 years. I know this is my seventh year, I think, being involved with the series and kind of still sounds more realistically like three. So uh, time flies, I guess, when you're having fun. Well, congrats on that. Well, this Coke series is back, as you heard, uh, at Daytona this week, and we're excited to have Evan Pasoko back to cover that exciting action for another season. We have another big Daytona iRacing event that didn't go off quite as well. We'll talk about that. Yeah, guys, and uh, you can follow all these great stories on iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So all this stuff will be compiled for you together. You can you can go through it. We have archive notes from the past shows. If you miss something and you want to check out a topic or a piece of hardware that we covered, go to iRacersLounge.com and select show notes and you can see it all. Want to swap to hydraulic pedals, but you're worried about leaks? We want to take a moment to tell you about Simcoach's P1 Pro pedals. Their proprietary no-leak technology ensures all fluids stay inside where they belong. They completely redesigned the hydraulic cylinders found on typical pedals and made them spec for sim racing. Designed, machined, and assembled right here in the USA. You can have confidence what you'll get is quality. Backed by their lifetime warranty, there's no reason not to give them a look. Head over to simcoaches.com and use iRacers Lounge at checkout to save 10% off your total order. Go do it now. These guys are in Vegas. Evan, you should go check them out. First-time winner, Ashton Crowder, final time at turn four to his first win in the E-NASCAR peak in And the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nick Garrelow. Going to look to the bottom. It is not going to be enough. And Ryan Luza is going to go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. Let's talk a Coke race. Uh, before the race, we got to hear from Ben Kennedy, Alan Cavana on pit road. That was kind of a neat touch. Uh, of course, uh, in, in the booth, you, you and Blake, um, uh, and, and, uh, Pike, uh, you know, I think was there as well. And, uh, and then new sponsors, Placey and Wendy's, uh, joined the existing lineup. Yeah. It's always fun to, uh, to bring some new partners into the fold and, 
you know, you got Wendy's, uh, you know, was in chat with us on Twitch, which a lot of people uh, in chat and in the community were having some fun with. It's also cool to see them uh, on Brian's car as well. So uh, super cool that there's more people wanting to get involved in this series. And I mean, yeah, we have a kind of a whole new look um, to our broadcast team this year. Right. Um, I think I'd be remiss without, you know, saying thank you to to Tim Terry for for everything he's done for the series over the years. Um, and excited to have Blake in the booth as somebody who, you know, was was one or two bounces away from being in this series. I think he can give us a ton of insights. Obviously, he's a great broadcaster, so I'm looking forward to covering the series alongside him. And, you know, we got uh, a whole new booth team uh, with Camille and Alan. And then, uh, of course, Brandon Cantell returning as a driver analyst, James Pike on pit road. So uh, I think we've got a really talented uh, group to cover the year for us. Yeah, and neat to hear from Ben Kennedy and what he thought about the experiment of the LA Coliseum and, and the successes and, the, and how iRacing, you know, made it very uh, possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if everybody's aware of, you know, how deep that went and the fact that, you know, when, when NASCAR wanted to explore the idea deeper as far as, you know, what's the track going to look like? What are the dimensions, the banks, the curves, all that kind of stuff going to look like? iRacing built that out for them and um, a, a select handful of the veteran Coke series drivers were actually ones who tested um, on beta versions of, you know, a handful of different layouts of that track to test it. So it, it certainly went super deep and it was a really cool experience for the Coke drivers to be involved. But I think just again, uh, another really cool sign, much like how iRacing um, has been working with NASCAR and Auto Club Speedway to model their uh, potential short track redesign. Just another cool way to see how iRacing is getting involved. All right. And on to the race. It was a clean start. Uh, round lap four, there was about a, a 10 car pack, a second behind the lead pack. Um, <clears throat> although it seemed like they were closing in and then it was trouble on lap six. Uh, contact between Laprad and Bowden uh, sent the 69 into the his team teammate uh, that collected about seven eight cars. There were a lot of big names that were hurt uh, very early on in the going of this event. I mean, it's just you know too early, and I I don't really think it was necessarily guys uh, driving over their heads, right? You just uh, you know you get that first group that drops back a little bit. People are kind of scrambling to reestablish position. Um, I think we all knew coming into this race that these next gen cars have a really competitive draft package. Um, you're able to make lanes work. You're able to get runs. You're able to control that pocket of air to stay in position if you want. Um, and it, when you give these drivers these tools, yeah, they can sit in line and hang out or they can, you know, push the issue a little bit. And I don't really think anybody was driving totally egregious, but you just get a couple of people out of sync with some of those lanes. You end up three wide off and into the corner. And, you know, as you mentioned, just like that, a lot of big names are done no more than 10 laps into the season opener, which obviously is not what they were hoping for. Yep. And then after that, not much happening. The field was two by two, uh, both Ottinger and Conti. Continued to swap that lead back and forth. Uh, most of the aggression was in the back currently. Round lap 25 of the 80. Uh, trouble for Kyle Pedal. He lost it actually all on his own. It looked like he was trying to cut quick to the bottom and it just went around. Uh, it was a hard lick, but no caution. Um, that's tough. Yeah, we've seen a lot of that um, on iRacing Speed Week, right? Is cars getting loose on their own. 
um, really mostly not actually coming down the bank on the exit of the corner as much. And Kyle was, was pretty much there, but actually just kind of closer to the exit of the corner. If you're trying to turn down from that top lane to the bottom and you're giving it, you know, a lot of wheel to there's a check up in front you're trying to avoid or you're trying to slide down into a very small opening. If you give that a lot of wheel input, your car's breaking sideways, right? I mean, there was really nothing notably that Kyle could have done better there. Um, just gave it a little bit too much wheel, spun it out. He, I think, was pretty content with just staying up top. Um, a lot of drivers were really pedaling the throttle, no pun intended, because cars were a little bit loose. They were a little bit unstable. And I saw this actually carry over into the next day um, when I covered last night's top split of the iRacing Daytona 500. We had at least four or five cars in that race also self-spin. Uh, fortunately, in this case, for the Coke Series race, um, it's only Kyle involved. I know that is not much uh, you know, consolation for him, a guy who stepped away from sim racing, who's come back, who I'm sure had a lot of high expectations for his Coke Series debut, uh, but it was just him as he ends up into the fence, and it means no caution, but you know, essentially takes him out of contention. Yep, and then lap 40, green flag pit stops are underway. Um, it was 37 to go. Oh, no, teammates, they wreck for the lead. Uh, it was contact between Clampett and Auditor uh, sent Clampett's uh, number 97 around. Uh, Keegan Leahy was also involved. It's a tough, uh, it's a tough break. Listen, that's the last thing you want, right? It's the golden rule in motorsports is to don't take out your teammate. And, you know, I, I don't think it was either of them being overly aggressive. I, I just think, you know, when you got a slow lap car there on the bottom and you're going to go high to avoid them, I just don't think it takes a ton to just feather out of the gas, right? I mean, I've heard from a lot of drivers who saying like, we can be really aggressive and push in these things a lot more than what we could in the Gen 6 cars. So we saw a lot of people pushing like that, going into a corner, coming out of a corner, changing lanes in the corner and getting away with it. Still not comfortable seeing it happen. And it's just a super tough break that they get a slight touch. The bumpers don't line up when they're transitioning back down to the bottom. Those are your teammates. I mean, it's like I said, very similar to the first incident. I don't really think that um, there's a ton of blame that you can say this guy, you know, drove over his head or vice versa, but just something that could have easily been avoided. But, you know, these guys didn't want to give up that little bit just to lift to be super safe. And, uh, you know, obviously gets a couple of drivers collected and then kind of changes the complexion of the race because these are much shorter races this year in 2022. So only an 80 lap race at Daytona at that point is good on fuel to the end of the race. Yeah. Now this next one, you know, we, we saw this a lot last night too, in the, in the 500, there's really two lanes. And if you get to the middle, you're in no man's land and you're going backwards. And so the only way to really make moves is to go from either the bottom to the top or the top to the bottom when there's a hole. Well, so what happened here was, um, Casey Kerwin, uh, he was trying to make one of those moves from, and so he came from the top to the bottom, but it wasn't quite clear. And uh, Bobby Zelensky wasn't having any of it, and uh, he basically turned himself off his bumper. Uh, no one else involved on that one. I'll tell you what, um, Bobby Zelensky is pretty well known that if you're going to uh, clear yourself on his nose, he is not going to cut you a break. And, you know, we saw a couple of people give breaks in the opening 20 laps of the race where they could have delivered that message if they wanted to. But like I said, shorter race, we're past halfway at this point. Um, you're going to kind of have to stand up for yourself. And, you know, Bobby's shown us time and time again, uh, if you're going to try to spin yourself over his nose, he'll let you. <laughs> I mean, he is not going to not going to go out of his way to babysit you. 
All right. Uh, then we had a caution 22 to go as Derek Justice spins on the backstretch. Another at caution seven to go. Nick Ottinger is among those involved. Uh, he spins trying to avoid Ray Alfala. Brian Mercurio is involved. Um, and it looks like we're going to end up with a late race restart at the Daytona. Yeah, I mean, Nick Ottinger's incident, very similar to what we saw to Kyle Petal. Ray Alfala slow. He's in that middle lane that you mentioned, doesn't work well, and he jumps up into an opening on the outside, and instead of just rolling out of the throttle, um, you know, Nick tries to pull down in the middle lane to try to get something out of it, right? If he can successfully get to the middle, even though it's not a great lane, Ray is so slow up top, he'll at least be able to get in front of him and jump back up, but he gives it that little bit too much wheel input, car brakes sideways, Nothing that Brian Mercurio can do. He's just riding on the bottom and gets absolutely T-boned and is involved in that incident. And seemingly, as it always happens, you get your late race restart at Daytona, setting us up for a wild finish. Yeah, three to go. Malik Ray, Femi Olat, uh, they were leading the field. Steven Wilson was right there. Um, and then it was trouble. Uh, Malik Ray, he gets turned uh, on the two to go. And so we end up in overtime. And I mean, tough break for him. I mean, he barely squeaks in to the Coke series uh, again, you know, and he's known for the, the super speedway, you know, prowess and, 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 and doing well here. And here he is, you know, on the verge of his first win and, and, and he can just taste it and, and, and he gets turned by leading, you know. Yeah, I mean, you're not kidding by, you know, barely squeaking in. He was tied for that last spot. Um, to come out of the contender series and, you know, had some internal questions on if he'd come and compete this 2022 season. Um, gets out there, has a good run, stays pretty quiet for most of it. Um, you know, and after the incident, obviously we have the onboard shots and he was just sitting there in disbelief. I mean, you know, there's there's so many guys who I can rattle off that if they don't have uh, any, you know, if they don't have any luck, it's just all bad luck. I mean, uh, and Malik's a guy like that who, you know, I think, realizes based on how he's had to go through that requalification process that he's going to have to work really hard to be a top 20 car in this series to lock himself in for 2023 is a bad, you know, result in Daytona at the end of the road. No, I mean, you got a long way to go. 18 races total, right? 13 more in the regular season. Um, you got ample opportunity, but for a guy like Malik starting from this far behind is going to be tough. And, and he's somebody as well who I think can get shaken a little bit by that confidence. If Malik Ray is winning races, he's untouchable, right? Because I think he feeds off that energy. And I think this slow start is probably going to hurt him for a few weeks. Yep. So down to this final restart and, you know, they're lined up with Garrett Maines and second behind him. Um, you know, they're coming down to the end here. You know, Garrett is going to try to win the race. He eventually pulls out you know, when he can see the checker to the outside lane. But Steven Wilson is right there on the bottom behind. You know, he wants his win too, you know. And so he's trying to figure, well, how can I get through here? I mean, if it was Talladega, you know, he could make another lane, but it's pretty narrow through here. So he bumps uh, Femi just a little bit because he doesn't know where to go and he's got a head of steam. He eventually goes below the yellow, to try to make it three wide and try to go for the win. And they end up with a photo finish three wide. The bump that he gave Femi was just enough to edge out Garrett, uh, who was on the top. And Femi Olat wins his first Coke race. 
you know, second straight season uh, in the Coke series for Femi Olat and, um, you know, to get his first career win and become the 59th different driver to, to have a win um, in the NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series is big for him. And you're right. It comes down to Wilson. Um, that move to the outside was very well-timed, um, you know, challenging for the race win there. Um, you know, Garrett Maines had the run. Garrett Maines had a nose in front. And it's just Stephen kind of being a little bit indecisive on where he wanted to go, gave a bump first to Femi, then decided to go below the double yellow. Obviously, I think if he ends up winning that race, he doesn't hold it. I think he's able to maintain his third, as far as I know, because he didn't gain any positions. He still finishes third in that race. I feel like if Stephen Wilson won that on the apron, it probably would not have stood anyways. Um, but that bump to Femi gives him just enough and, you know, Stephen Wilson going down there at least gave us a nice shot of making it a three-wide finish instead of two. But, uh, you know, such such a great win for, for Femi Olat to be a winner in the Coke Series. And another great finish at Daytona. Like, I, I can't be that surprised that we get an exciting finish. Um, you know, there's a lot of questions about these next-gen cars, right? How are they going to race on the short tracks? Obviously, they went through a couple of updates recently to get them up to 2022, uh, you know, Cup Series spec from the next-gen cars that we first got in middle of last year. There's a lot of questions that's going to be answered over the next few weeks and months. But one thing I think we've learned pretty quickly this week on Daytona week is that these things are a blast to drive on the uh, super speedways. Um, you know, and, and I think that's kind of a, a lock in that we're going to have good shows anytime this year. Yeah, I'm anxious for California, Vegas, uh, you know, whatever is coming up, Phoenix. And to see how these guys do there. I mean, Garrett Maines is hot, hot, hot right now. You know, obviously Femi and, and Stephen Wilson, you know, continuing what he started last year. So I'm looking forward to seeing some new names up front, too. And it, it's exciting. It was a great race. You had a, a classic call there, Evan, on the white lap. Uh, it's one of those that will go down for the ages. It's uh, yeah. I mean, we get such good stuff at a Daytona. I think it's always such a fun way to kick off the year. Um, like I said, I mean, just super happy to be back for another season. I think we got a great broadcast team that's going to be covering all these races for you. I mean, uh, we had an hour-long pre-race show, pre-race, that I was just sitting back and watching, right? So I think, uh, you know, everybody really should enjoy our coverage this year um, and tuning in every Tuesday night. And you're right, I mean, there's big questions to be answered. Um, you know, we got Vegas coming up next race in two weeks' time. That'll kind of be our intermediate benchmark test. And then I kind of wonder what we're going to get out of Atlanta, right, on March 15th. Is Atlanta on the calendar because we have a rescan coming? Is it going to be at the old Atlanta? Don't know. I would assume that if it's on the schedule, they have some plan to try to bring us the rescan version of it. Can't tell you that for certain, just thinking out loud based on precedent. So, you know, there's a couple of questions that are going to be answered. Uh, you know, you have your, your crapshoot races. You got Bristol Dirt in there. We're going back to another super speedway in Talladega later in the year. But, you know, the Gen 6 era took up the majority of the lifespan of this Coke series. And now this is the third generation of car that's been raced in this championship. And, um, you know, I think it's going to take a little bit longer than typical to kind of figure out what teams and what technical alliances, what drivers are going to be title contenders. I could typically tell you that after four or five weeks, not sure we're going to know by April who's got this thing figured out. All right, Evan Pasoko. Yeah, what a show with the new car. I think the new horsepower is really rejuvenated a lot of people on how things are going to go this year. So I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, talking racing with us. Anytime guys, we'll talk to you in two weeks.
Well, we have this uh, event. It's the, um, we're going to title it the Podium 500. The prestigious Podium or Podium 500 was held this past weekend, and the finish was uh, one with much controversy. Kicked off with Lake Peterson being ruled the winner in the 2022 event. Uh, Garrett, Mines, Garrett Maines, however, filed an appeal, and a final decision will be heard in a few hours. Now, so Lake won the race. There was no question. And we talked about this live in the chat as it happened. And we were talking, is this like protestable in iRacing? Because the question was, did Lake Peterson turn Garrett Mains for the win? Greg, you had some strong opinions about it. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I mean, I mean, David and I went back and forth in chat there. Um, but I really wasn't sure till I had gone back and seen it a couple times if or how did it go like i thought it was peterson that turned it and then um but and then mains and them were getting together the way that they got at the line there it just something didn't look right and we were we kept going back and forth looking at it because the well, hardest part too was for the first little bit after um we had to wait till twitch updated and they were gone Turned, turned off the feed so you could go back and watch it. You couldn't find any videos of it till later on. Yeah, what we were arguing over was was intent. I don't think there's any question that Peterson turned him. Um, they even, even went, when, well, they'll discuss that a little bit further down the article. Um, but it, I don't think as quick as it happened that it was in, in, any, in any way intentional. But he, he did wreck him. It's Daytona. It's it's carb cup every hour on the hour is what I said. This is this is NASCAR. This is nor this is business as usual. Well, anytime you're drafting, um, and a, a crazy situation like that happens, you you're pro you're desperate to probably get back in line if you're not going to get the position right. I think he was trying to get back in line and turn too soon. I've made that same mistake this year in the winter series and immediately apologized for it. Took out a guy because I was, it was one of those places where you have to stay up high. And I tried to go low, didn't, couldn't make the pass, and the, the back got a run, and I tried, to plug, I tried to get in the gap before they got to me and moved just a little too soon and turned the guy. So I, think th I, I have, believe that's what happened. I think the other problem is, too, that these cars punched such a big hole. Even with that wreck going on, they were by themselves. They were going to get, you know, they were able to get back to each other real quickly. And I just, I agree with David now after looking after a time is they are way too close to be making abrupt moves. And if you do make an abrupt move, that's what's going to happen. Okay. So Lake Peterson won the race. Garrett Maines later said that somebody from podium told him to file an appeal on the win. And so he did. So they said a final decision will be heard in a few hours. So fast forward a few hours later, they say um, the official statement regarding the finish of it, they strip the win uh, from Lake and declare that Garrett Maines is now the winner of the Podium 500. Okay. Uh, based on the, the appeal was granted apparently. So we went to bed late that night and Garrett Maines was the winner. And we think we're done, and 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 we and it's already controversial. A lot of people talking about it on Twitter. Should it be overruled? I mean, 
like we were just talking, you know, things happened. They were, there was a wreck. They're trying to come to the win. I mean, like I said, this is business as usual to me. And the, the kind of uh, the other biggest argument with this call is how many times did they swallow the whistle in incidents like this? Well, so let's, let's bust it down a little bit more. So, well, let's go into the next part before we do, David. Tell them what happened the next day. We get another surprise. Yeah, so glancing at the phone between classes at work, I see the post um, podium reverses the decision again. And they essentially basically decided there was no penalty given and only penalties can be appealed. You can't actually just protest an accident in their rule book. So they, t- they basically flip-flopped and gave the win back to Peterson. Because uh, the officials never penalized Peterson at the end of the race. Therefore, there was nothing to appeal. Great. So they've changed their mind. How many? I've lost count. Three times now? Well, it's, it's not even the change in the mind. It's lost integrity through the whole thing of this. There's just, it's, you got to stick to some gun at some point and, and know what your rule book is first, right? Well, I was, I saw on the Twitter, someone was saying that the, uh, you know, Garrett Maine, just the lap before the white flag dumped uh, Rajah Karuth, um, fairly blatantly and nothing was done about that you know so why would you penalize this and and so forth so there was a lot of discussion going on that goes right back to how many times did they swallow the whistle but yeah and you know how do you wait a last lap you know to a lap you know you said it was just recently after before that like do we do we do they wait every lap as the same or is the last lap weighted a little bit differently, which it shouldn't be, right? You I mean a penalty is a penalty. So all this discussion and people fleeing the sinking ship. Uh, we saw on a Reddit a picture of the Titanic with the podium logo on it as the Titanic going down. Uh, I had a, a, a neat quote from um, a from Jeff McConey, who's from McConey Setup Shop. Uh, he's obviously... Um, a presence in the community. Um, I'm going to read what he said. He said, quote, a lack of firm leadership led to the loudest voice dominating the discussion. PR mismanagement is what led to it. Many of us were trying to smooth things over and calm things down to no avail. Race control stood by their call, but were overruled in the end. We will see what happens from here, but many people have already publicly announced their resignation from Podium Eastward. One of those was Terry Radford, um, and this is this looks like a a gracious letter, but he's it's basically a resignation with a lot of with a lot of uh, positive comments to people here and there. And also, none other than James Pike, the voice of Podium Esports, uh, has announced that he is um, done there. So uh, obviously, this got very testy within their own organization. Um, you know. Both of these resignation uh, letters were were done very classy. They they didn't call out anybody or anything like that. But there just must have been some serious headbanging going on in there. Yeah. Do you think it's possible? Like I I, I want to respect these. Lost you. I I think he's actually frozen. He's not moving on Discord either. Yeah, we lost Greg. Well, um, just want to throw this comment out there. You know, Podium Esports for has, for a long time now has been, you know, one of the premier 
organizations for iRacing and sim racing in general. And, uh, you know, nobody wants to see this thing, this, uh, this thing go down in flames, you know, it's it doesn't do the community or the uh, or the iRacing service any good for for stuff like this to go down. So, you know, I'm not rooting for any kind of uh, you know implosion or, or sinking of the Titanic, as they they put it. I'm not rooting for anything like that. I want this all to get straightened out to to a, a, you know some kind of satisf satisfaction, and uh, I want Podium Esports in the future. Yeah, I mean it. I mean, it's one event out of how many, you know, for how many years and things happen and things, you know, go bad and that shouldn't define you as a group. Um, so uh, everybody yeah, loves to have success and everybody loves a redemption story. Right. So I, I don't think it's going to be a, a death now. It's just going to, it, it, you know, America doesn't, well, the whole, this, the world does not have that long of a memory. This will be faded within a year or two. Yeah. So it, you know, it also points out the problem with leagues over official, which I've always said it brings in that human element that, you know, yeah, you know, it, there was a lot of discussion on this where people were saying that they want Garrett Maines to be the winner because he's a name. He's a Coke driver. You know, nobody knows this other guy, Lake Peterson. And that and that, and that was the reasoning behind what all this nonsense yeah, especially if you start throwing in big money, you want to. You have to really try to keep all your I's and T's dotted, right, and crossed. And even even NASCAR gets this kind of scrutiny. Well, you got to wonder if there was no money involved, would it have played out differently? I believe so. At least it wouldn't be as uh, pub as public and uh, and whatnot. Um, yeah, well, you know, I hate to think that you know, let's say one of us was in that podium five hundred, we wouldn't want. The rules to be changed just because you know we were involved with uh, a big name guy would we i mean uh, let's just let the thing play out and and not have not take into consideration who's got the bigger name i mean that's why i like the official stuff i mean like we run the daytona 500 friday night whoever crosses the line first is the winner okay now you know what he may get protested for wrecking somebody and get suspended by iRacing. But you know what? iRacing can't strip that win from him. He won the race. They could. They don't. That's just kind of they the policy. They won't, right. Uh, the whole design of the the instant system is to just take um, the uh, judgment calls out as much as possible, right? Well, and I've always been a fan of whoever crosses the line first wins it, Okay. Regan Smith, Regan Smith, <laughs> didn't he win Talladega once and he didn't win it? They took it from him, whatever. Yep, because he went just under the yellow line to make the pass, right? Even though we right, but then there's the judgment call. Was he forced down there? And um, and that's what I'm saying. Screw the judgment calls. I mean, and and that's what Podium Esports did here is they introduced a judgment call, and the fact was that they were just. Ignoring their own rule book. I mean, you know, to have a staff member uh, from the from their team tell you know Garrett Maines, hey, file a protest and do this and that, when it wasn't even possible per the rule book, but they couldn't even figure that out until a days later. Well, I think that's uh, definitely enough to put a bow on that topic. It was definitely a rainy day for them. Uh, speaking of rain, though, Brian, 
Yeah, Dave, a nice transition there. Um, so this uh, was a Twitter post uh, dropped by Greg Hill. It was a picture of two Formula Vs racing at Imola, but the cool thing was it's in the rain. So testing rain, they got video uh, visual, visuals of it. Um, the Greg Hills uh, made made a note in his post that uh, that the uh, they're making really tremendous progress on the rain system. So, yeah. So, uh, go, everybody who's been waiting for rain for so long looks like uh, the wait is soon will be over. Yeah, and um, Traxian.gg they made an article out of it. They went on to say, "quote On the racing surface, a drier racing line." can somewhat be seen around those Vs. To the to the right or left, there is some standing water where cars likely haven't been driving over or a point on the track where water might collect more easily. So they're just trying to point out some of the nuances of that picture. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait for rain and low visibility and all that stuff. I wonder how much of a percentage it will come into play uh, compared to how much of a percentage it comes into play in real life. I don't want to be in rain all the time, but I do like the threat of it being around. I wonder if they can just tie it to maybe an actual day or something like, like that one track that they added uh, in Europe, they said that it's always wet there. So imagine that track is probably, you're going to get more maybe at that track than others. That's what I'm saying. Let's match it to real life as much as possible like to what's the weather forecast at that track you know most of the time or something like that so basically we have to start so that we start all the races like at uh nascar times for anything in florida we're gonna have a rain shower around 4 p.m right yeah but you're not gonna turn this on for ovals (laughs) i'm just that's just stupid would you expect in the Daytona 24 hours next year to race in rain during that race at some point? Yes or no? I'm guessing if it's an option, it's probably there. I mean, it would, would that be something if they added the rain and then they have a big race and then it didn't rain? So, yeah, I, um, that's, they could do something like uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator where, they, it, where all this stuff is tied to real weather, you know? Microsoft Flight Sim, you know, you can turn on live weather and and they take, you know, radar station reports from all around the world and apply it to whatever you're flying. Um, they could definitely do that now with, with rain. That would be really cool. Maybe, but that means if you do like to do stuff like a bunch of A-Opens, every single A-Open is going to be the same race, the same conditions. Yeah, that's... I would guess it would have to be select events. Maybe you tie it to the weather that way, and then maybe on A opens and stuff like that, it's random. That's a good idea. Because, yeah, you wouldn't want every A open to be the same. So say, like, last weekend when we did the Bathurst 12, say if there was, well, it's Australia, so there we- probably wasn't much rain ever. <laughs> but um, what if they what if they'd had it, it all of a sudden was in the forecast that day at a certain time? then it happens, right? Yeah, uh, and I, I know they're not going to have rain on ovals, but do you think this is a possibility affecting some of the, you know, the, the skies and stuff around uh, the oval stadiums? Maybe rain in the distance or something like that? Lightning storms? That would be cool. we got to clear the grandstands. <laughs> what if you haven't come out of COVID times and never put the grandstand people back in? My tracks are always empty. 
You've never turned it back on? Why? Nobody yeah. cheers. Nobody cheers for me, so why would I put it on? All right, next up, we have the iRacing Top 10 Highlights video, January 2022. Uh, the normal great stuff that we're uh, used to, you know, side by side, you know, sneaking through uh, for the win. Um, super late model action, you know, uh, and, and I love that one. I mean, the guy kind of looking to the inside and, and trying to maybe peek at three wide and digging down at the apron trying to find a lane down there, Brian. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Always good stuff on here. Um, I think my favorite was um, um, the 87s where the guy gets punted, gets sideways, and actually makes a pass out of it keeps going it, that was a pretty cool one looks like it was at phoenix um so that was really cool um another neat thing was uh, uh one of the uh, contributors in this was dave tam so one of the one of our uh, you know streamers and you know former former guest right is that the first guest that's ever we've ever had on the top 10 for uh our racing highlights yeah and he set up a perfect pass uh to overtake this guy and uh it was nice but that one, uh, you mentioned the 87 where he got punted. He, he made a pass as he got punted. It was odd. I mean, because he got shot down across, uh, well, I guess it's the new turn one at Phoenix and uh, made up quite a bit of ground on the car in front of him. But the car in front of him checked because he saw, you know, Matt Busa was completely sideways there. And uh, we talked about it. Go, but they had the side-by-side finish the uh, LMP2s at the Daytona 24 after 24 hours. You know, those two guys battling out for a side-by-side -side finish. That was on there as well, and deservedly so. Good stuff. I had a, a highlight last night I thought could make one of these videos, but we didn't submit it. I almost made the not top 10 at uh, Pocono. I did get on the, I did get an Instagram post. I probably should have made the not top 10 for what I did last night. For Chris? We'll talk <laughs> that about could, that, that could later. Be there. Yeah, that's, that's a topic for another time. But yeah, good stuff coming. <laughs> this next one's pretty interesting because I've done this same thing, and I was actually just trying to go – I was going through a chat history trying to find my numbers. But uh, the Porsche Super Cup driver, Sebastian Job, he demonstrated why fitness is important when you're – I, racing even in sim racing and he wore his heart rate monitor watch um and at one point his heart rate was 117 i don't see a, ch a, a chart i guess that was qualifying when he picked out and then he he when he crashed out week two he can see that he wasn't feeling much pressure anymore. um and i did the same thing i actually did i took uh, a monitor and did a a back workout day and then compared it to a race and it doesn't have the same peaks, but the resting rate for me, or not the resting rate, but the active rate would sit right around a hundred for the whole race, just because you're you've got that much adrenaline going. That's what I'm thinking. I wonder wonder what mine was last night when you know when I'm taking the lead in the Daytona 500 and I'm barely breathing. I'm, I bet you I'm I'm probably right up here at 140, 160 at those moments. Um, I, it's fascinating. I need to get me an Apple Watch and try this. See. I like this idea, but I think in iRacing, yeah, it's, uh, it's great to be in physical shape. I need one more statistic for the drivers that I compete against that I need to see. I need the blood alcohol content for a lot of the people we <laughs> race against. I need to content. know that before I get in a race with some of these guys. They have to breathe into a tube, right, before they race. <laughs> blow, in, blow into the watch and it'll... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> the blow and go add on to your uh, rig. You can't race. <laughs> it locks you out. That's in, lieu of, in lieu of suspension, we're installing a blow and go on your uh, rig. There was a guy I used to race with that I, I believe he could be kicked off just for the amount of alcohol he drank while he was driving on iRacing and talking to people. So what do you think, uh, what do you think um, Femi Olat's uh, heart rate got to on that last lap at Daytona, man? It had to be, you know, I, could, I was watching his feed, and, and man, his, he was, was white knuckled as could be. I thought he looked white knuckled to me. I know he looked white and stuff. Like, he looked like he was, like, his face had gone pale. Like he wasn't breathing. And, but he... He didn't seem as excited as I thought he would be for the win at the end. And maybe it was just shock, maybe more than anything. Relief. I noticed he's running a G27 Logitech. Oh, that makes me feel so bad. Spend all this money and people in G27s are winning co-creators. Chicken your butt. Well, my next question is actually, do you have to breathe into a tube to uh, get this job? I don't know about that. You might have to take a drug test. Who knows? But uh, iRacing's out of the game. A job opening in the forums uh, this time for a vehicle production associate so it's a full-time position um, so yeah uh, they would uh, you would regularly test content and systems with a keen eye and provide critical feedback for improvement so uh, um, this person would reg regularly work with our vehicle engineers and also with the alpha te test team for team and group testing. So you're going to, this, this position, if you get it, you're going to be up to your knees racing. So, uh, you know, it would be a really cool, really cool one to have. This is literally get paid to I race. This is the same title that Christian Schaliner has, I believe. These would be the guys to, that, or whoever gets this job would be figuring out like, balance of power issues and things like that for big events too, right? Right. BOP, making setups, testing setups. I think Tanner McCullough is also a guy who has this title. This is what I want to do when I retire. <laughs> I was never mind, I'm gonna leave that one alone. Now what, Greg? Well, our favorite uh streamer uh Jimmy Broadbent has uh posted a TikTok where he seems to have a mishap with his <laughs> his rim when he is driving. It's uh, either I, I can't tell from the did it bust the actual knuckle on the wheel part, the plastic part, or did it uh, just pop off? But whatever it did, I think he maybe forgot to put the bolt in for that one, but broke it off and crashed. I think he just pulled it off. He was in the middle of a turn and it just slid off of the base. That's why I think he doesn't have that secure bolt on it, and it didn't look like it had a quick release. He was, was at least a good. Funny. He was a good spirit about it, at least. Yeah, I mean, he turned it into a joke, and for the stream, it's not much you can do after that. Like you, you, you know, even what didn't it happen to Jimmy Johnson and Dale Earnhardt when in NASCAR races? Well, that's big trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's talk. Uh, the Bathurst Twelve Hours. Do we uh, have we to? had. Uh, yeah. The, it looks like top split was a uh, Coke driver, Vicente Salas, teammate Garrett Maines. Uh, they teamed up and won. Uh, like I said, Garrett Maines is hot. He finished uh, first in the Bathurst. He finished second and first, and then second in the Pody Dumb 500, and then second in the Coke race. He Didn't they win 
they won the 24 hour too, didn't they? They did. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that. In their, he's, their class, uh, he's on yeah. one hell of a streak for two months, but that's no surprise to any of us. We've been, David, you've raced enough with Garrett to know that it's he is. I, he's been up front in any of the restrictor plates races I've seen him in at all. He's been in front in so every far. race. <laughs> that's true. He skipped like seven weeks last year with NIS and <laughs> still won. Well, no, I'll take that more like eight or nine because you get those five drop weeks. So, how did your guys' race go? Almost as good as the the the, uh, the next article that we'll cover. Um, Greg, are you ever starting a, an endurance race again? Uh, I don't even. I don't. Even, I'm still trying to figure out why. I got to figure out how to get rid of. But for some reason, it every once in a while it wants me to do um, uh, the JavaScript script, and that doesn't even exist anymore. And it pops up on my computer every once in a while. And that's why, it, that's why sim racing stutter. apps uses Java. And I stuttered, clipped the grass, and destroyed our car. Yeah, sim racing apps still uses Java, but it used, but there is no actual updates for it anymore, right? It's whatever it is, it is, right? I can't. I don't, think I don't think they're doing any more updates to it anymore. I get them sometimes. Yeah, I still get them too. Okay. So yeah. Anyways, but that's what caused my stutter in the background. So you so, stuttered, hit the grass, and wrecked. Yeah, by the time it, like, I was climbing, it was just going over, um, just as you're coming up towards the top, top part of the hill, the the last the last two left-hand turns before you start diving back down, it stuttered at the top, right where there's that little, little bit of grass, and I touched it with the right rear tire, and I just had no shot. Then I also, so I didn't run, we didn't, neither me or Adam got in the car for that one, but I did get to run with Crisscross 2 the next day. Um, I got in the car second and got us up to third. I came back and they had had a major accident, unavoidable. Uh, but they just would go, kept kept fixing it and and uh, repair, you know, repairing because these cars, even if you get wheel damage, if you go ahead and fix all the optional, it actually straightens the wheel back out now and makes it fun to drive. We ended up finishing sixth, but we had a a guy that that the crisscross managers put on the team and told me to register, and he didn't show. Uh, so we ended up taking a DQ, even though we crossed the line in sixth. Dang. So iRacing put up this cool video of somebody's replay uh, ending their race quickly, David. Yeah, I think the guy had a little bit too much plutonium in the uh, hood because it went kaboom. I was going to say going out with a bang. So the guy goes around that blind corner at the top of the mountain, uh, and all of a sudden there's a car sitting sideways across the track, and uh, he... He plows right in T-bone, but then they make like a nuclear explosion at the end of the video to make it look cool. Yeah, it's pretty funny. When that happens, your your car is already destroyed before you know, before your brain has a chance to even process that you've been in a wreck. Well, and the yep. worst part is, is it, could you imagine this wreck in real life? Because it's such a blind, you're flying up that hill, making the left-hand turns come around and you don't see anything. As soon as you're pointing straight. That's all you see. And if that happened in a real life car, I mean, somebody's really hurt. Yeah, that guy's already up into fifth gear. Yeah, I mean, you're probably what was they're like? I think you're clearing like one seventy one hundred seventy five kilometers an hour over the top of that hill. Roughly, yeah. Mailbag, Brian. 
Yeah, so this is another story related to the Badger's 12 Hours. Uh, this came from Craig Gregory. He's from the UK. And uh, we got a message from him giving uh, the iRacers Lounge podcast a shout out. <clears throat> Said he's a regular listener. We have a great show. Really appreciate that, Craig. And uh, he also mentioned that his teammates, Rob and Taima, from the Sim Party Racing um, team, they finished eighth in the first time they actually raced together. So, congratulations, Craig, and uh, and thanks for the uh, shout out. Ooh, I like that Sim Party Racing. Sounds like a party. Next up, we have streamer Matt Malone posted a YouTube video on his channel of five tips for practicing in iRacing. racing. Now, you guys give me a hard time about practicing, so, so I actually watched Matt's video here. Now, his tips are this, turn on the ghost car offset, okay? And I do this, and it's pretty cool. And another tip I'll throw in that Matt didn't provide is you can go into AI and change the offset to be shorter or greater, depending on if you want the car farther away from you. You can also download uh, telemetry little telemetry files from certain places like VRS and have the ghost car of that VRS coach on the track with you or your teammates. Yeah. True. So the next um, thing. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I, I just wanted to add this real quick because I had actually talked about this a couple months ago on a uh, final thought um, where I said that, um, you know, I needed to learn how to practice better, how to, uh, you know, practicing the wrong things, you know, just makes you better at doing the wrong things. So uh, this is a really good uh, tip for, for learning how to practice better. It's something I started to watch. I saw the uh, the first section about the uh, the uh, ghost offsets and everything, but I'm definitely going to watch the rest of it. And uh, and I'm going to start using this in my practice sessions to try to, uh, to help help out. Yeah, I picked up some tips from this too, Brian. We'll talk about those. The second one was watch a ghost or spot a race. So instead of going into a practice, go into the ghost section, find a race and ghost it. And then get out on the track with them. And he describes how, you know, they can't see you and uh, even though you can see them and so forth. And it's a great way to kind of see if you're up to snuff before you get in an actual race. The third one was use AI. Okay, that's obvious. The fourth one was new to me, uh, school track config. And he said, that, I forget which track it is, but there are certain tracks, they have a school track config. And it basically adds those three cones that David was telling us about when he went on his driving experience. The first one is where you let off the gas. The second one was where you start the brake. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So they add these cones uh, basically to the track when you pick this config and it allows you to, you know, figure out how to drive better. So I have never, I, that's the first time I've ever heard that. I saw a lot of, from some other people too, when they, because they, we have the option of turning on the, uh, the racing line, but a lot of people recommend against that for iRacing too, uh, for some of it from the experts. I think I have never used it because I never knew about it for a long time. And just when I would go to learn a road track, I would just, I would watch the VRS video and then just go practice it until I got familiar with every turn. Here's one that I would add to the watch ghost spot thing. Like even if you, there's plenty of YouTube, um, 
Twitch streamers, Facebook streamers that you could just go and, and, and do it. Like a lot of times I'll, you know, I, I want to say last year, I can't remember what track it was, David. I watched you for a bit and I was learning some things from you on one of the tracks. I can't remember what it was, but um, just picking up on some stuff that you did that I've thrown into some of my repertoire when I'm driving. The track was, that he shows was Laguna Seca, where you can turn on the cones. The final one was run opposite line of the normal. His idea is, hey, when you're in a race, you're too wide sometimes. So try to practice offline, like go around the track and never get on the race line, get on the opposite line and make a whole lap that way and practice it. Because there'll be times where you're side by side with somebody or overtaking somebody and you have to go offline to, to do that. And you need to feel, you know, how is the car going to behave and that kind of thing. You know what else so, that'll come in handy with when they, when they add rain and you actually have to start looking for places to cool the tires down. So, uh, Matt Malone is uh, primarily a road racer, I believe, and uh, I'm sure these tips are more geared towards road racing. But that last one is not a bad idea to practice, you know, in oval racing because, you know, if you're side by side, you're not running the ideal line the whole time. You you need to learn to uh, maybe stay low and come off the corner better without having use uh, the wall, you know, run out to the wall, you know. So there, there are some uh, practicalities for oval racing in that, too. And there's a lot of oval tracks where both lanes can can go, depending on the situation. And uh, going back to the watch goes spot one, that's that is a good one too. But you know you can use that in your own race. Um, really, um, you can't ghost it, but you can uh, you know you can, after a race is over, you can always uh, go back and, and and get into the cockpit view of a replay of somebody else running. Um, so that can help as well. Is anybody talking about his awesome racing shoes that he's wearing in his stream too? <laughs> his old man shoes. How about some stats, Greg? Yeah, I was trying to understand what the stats were meaning here, Mike, when I was going through it. Because um, I guess it was showing under, well, I was looking at an oval, obviously it was showing uh, well, it shows the last night's NIS series. Where was it? I was just trying to do it, but what are the numbers meaning here on the side? I, I was trying to find a description on what it actually meant. I think it's count of drivers and count of splits. And it's just, that's yeah, all. That's what I took it as being. So yeah, last night, 785 and 22 splits. But you can click on the race and see some more details. You can see the strength of field uh, range of each split as well. You can see the lap times based on, on an I rating calculation. This is interesting. I'm bookmarking this sucker. Yeah. Get deep in this kind of stuff. This, this has a lot of good information. So when you look at last uh, year's NIS on Wednesday, Daytona 500, 613. This year, 785. So we definitely had some growth. It's interesting that you can do the lap time for the different Ks there and figure out, and it shows you what people are running. First their uh, I rating. Well, for our listeners, what we're talking about is simracingstats.com. It's a website we've talked about, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago. It's been around, but I thought I'd bring it back here for the beginning of the season, mainly because I wanted to see, you know, how the numbers stack up to previous years. 
It's kind of, have you noticed, is anyone noticing a trend when you slide that slider in the next gen part? See if you guys can pick up on it. Well, it gets faster as you go up. Look at the Toyota compared to the other ones all the time when you start, when you move that slider. Toyota's always two tenths cheap, uh, faster. Yeah. Maybe you've hit on something, Greg. That's why Mike's been winning all our uh, uh, the restrictor uh, uh, king, right? The stats right. don't lie. I mean, these, <laughs> there's numbers behind this, right? I'm, I'm cutting this from the show. <laughs> <laughs> the numbers don't lie. <laughs> all of a sudden, that's a title uh, idea. He's gone over to Toyota's. It's, it's one In before there's a patch swipe. tomorrow. <laughs> right, right. They've done stuff like that before where they fix stuff. But like at one point here at what five almost five thousand K, they're five tenths or th over almost four tenths faster. It, I mean it could also be the choice. But it of could be this it. yeah, you know, the drivers that are fast like Toyota, you know, like I do. You know, the the good the, <laughs> the fast guys are gonna pick Toyota. So I mean so I, I think you gotta account for that. So which one of those oh, is a similarity that the drivers that are fast or that they like to Toyota? Or that they're just, yeah, they're just driving a Toyota. I don't know. Um, right. <laughs> I wonder if this next guy is driving a Toyota, uh, because if he was, he's going to need a new one pretty soon, or probably um, a new brain if he keeps running in this kind of a simulator. Um, the title of the article, Dude is Living in 3022. It's uh, Alex Wiederhold. He posted a link of the extreme car crash simulator in action. And this guy's driving in the seat throws him forward when he wrecks now he's smart enough to put on a welding helmet is that where you're saying he's smart enough about this whole thing <laughs> that's where you're picking the smartness is the oh uh, that's the only smart thing about helmet. this okay yeah that's so uh, you know obviously this guy needs seatbelts for one if you're going to be doing a crash simulator where you're flying into your monitor knocking it off the table when you crash into something uh you need seatbelts on that rig for sure Okay, so for our audio listeners, oh, we got a guy in an office seat and, you know, with a simple wheel and a, a monitor, real simple setup. But behind the seat, he's got some kind of metal bars on hydraulic actuators or something that are uh, up against the back of the seat. And so when he crashes, they push the seat forward, I don't know, maybe a f 18 inches all at once and Basically forced, like you said, his face right into the monitor. That'd be one hell of an accident in VR, eh, David? It wouldn't be good for the equipment. I mean, he knocks the monitor off the desk. I was just so, thinking, the, what, what, oh my God. So, <laughs> I don't even know so, what, what to think of it. Like, he is, that table is barely withstanding his head impact. So, uh, yeah, so if you, uh, if you're not uh, following iRacersLounge.com uh, notes, um, this will give you reason to do it because you got to see this. It's so funny. My question is, if he was in iRacing, I know exactly the paint job that he needs. We need that crash test dummy symbol on the front, front of his car. <laughs> He'd be a perfect ambassador. <laughs> okay, we had a patch this week. Let's go through the notes, uh, release notes. Uh, they changed the login form on the forums to gain compatibility with additional desktop password managers. 
They fixed a rendering issue where some graphic mods were causing strange graphical issues and excessive FPS reduction for VR users. Now, I saw some people in the forum saying that their VR FPS went up after this patch. That's always good because VR is really, really tough on equipment. And the, I think the big reason and timing for this patch, the next gen, uh, we've got upgraded graphical uh, cars finally, uh, bringing, up, bringing us to the 2022 NASCAR season specs. Um, new textures, updated damage parameters, new driver animations, front and rear sp springs may no longer coil bind, and iRacing setups have been updated. So kudos on the up on the setups. I, I think a lot of them were not low enough to the ground. It was making it really hard to drive, uh, especially at the mile and a half. So I'm I haven't tried it yet, but I'm hoping they've done all those setups uh, and gotten the car lower to the ground. Uh, we talked about paint changes, David. I don't know if I saw those. Yeah. Um it's got a different kind of cowl and there's some kind of vent opening on the cowl as well now. Right. Uh, and there's name is also stamped on there. Uh, most of us think that will probably go away cause I've done it before and it went away cause that's taken up league ad space. But even if that part goes away, there's some space there where you can't really put a graphic anymore cause there's a piece of hardware right in the middle of the windshield. I see. And a lot of leagues uh, put their, their stamp on there kind of thing. And there may be still a little bit of room, but uh, not quite the same. Okay, they've updated Xfinity um, to get all the decals and uh, contingency sponsors and everything updated. And they fixed Mount Washington Auto uh, Road potential crash to desktop issue. Now, I, I haven't mentioned this, but I've actually had that issue several times when I've tried to run Mount Washington. Like, uh, it would take me four or five attempts to load the sim but like it would crash three or four times and eventually i could load it but it was uh problematic so i'm happy to see that they've uh, addressed it so um yeah so did you, you mentioned the uh new animations for the drivers and the nascar next gen cars um he did if, if you if you have if you have vr it's it's really much more noticeable probably than if you're uh, on triples because you, you have to be able to look down to see the driver's feet you know hitting the gas pedal and the brake pedal all right and brian who else has said i mean this car this package um at daytona is the best it's ever been well dale jr uh knows two things as well as anybody and that's uh restrictor plate racing and eye racing so and he says that this current speedway plate package may be the best it's ever been so uh so that's a pretty you know uh, pretty high praise from dale because he's been around sim racing forever and he and he knows obviously what the real deal is like and uh apparently he thinks that this this bad boy is is uh closest to on point as i racing has ever been I got to say, I mentioned this last week that I think it is also the best ever. And so um, I'm particularly happy that Dale agrees with me. <laughs> well, sure thank David. About you, Dave. <laughs> it has been great. Um, I don't know. I, it still feels like the middle is too slow, but to me, so I don't know if that's, if that's correct or not. Well, watching the Coke series race, um, it looks as much like the way the real cars raced as as uh 
as I've seen it ever, I think, at least, at least on broadcasts and whatnot. Well, I mean, tonight we'll see the duels and we'll know for sure, you know, how it matches up. Um, I don't think we'll know until then, but uh, I, it's looking good. I mean, if you look at what happened at the Coliseum uh, and how the, the racing matched up in real life to how it performed in the sim, it's uncanny how similar it is. That's good because the last super speedway package in the Gen 6 car was uh, just dreadful. So, Greg, Adam said he might sign up for college again. Yeah, so they're calling it the E-NASCAR College iRacing Series. So NASCAR and iRacing are partnering with the, is it NACE or is it just N-A-C-E? Do they spell it out? I think they spell it out. It, it's an abbreviation for something. So it's the NACE Star League to create the E-NASCAR College iRacing Series bringing the excitement of the top-tier sim racing to college students across the United States and Canada this spring. The top 32 eligible drivers in three separate time attacks will qualify to represent their universities in uh, races at the vir at Virtual Daytona International Speedway, uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway, and Watkins Glen International. Um, over a three-month span, additional events will be announced in conjunction with the full semester to bring the total prize pool to $50,000 in scholarships. Whoa. So I think uh, NAC is the National Association of College Esports. Okay, ah. Perfect. I made that up. That sounds good, though, didn't it? Didn't no, it it's good? probably right, actually. <laughs> They have sponsors. I'll have I mean, to look it up. <laughs> I see uh, SCW, Coke, Placey, Logitech. They got a logo. They have a schedule here of when the time attack uh, starts. And it starts February 7th through the 21st. So we're right at the end of it, actually. Only four days left. But if you're a student, a man, get in on this. How many people are, are not going to hear about this? And there's only going to be, you know, a hand. I don't know how many people are going to sign up, but. Man, fifty thousand bucks. Go for it. I mean, what they got, they got thirty-two spots for you know Canada and the United States. I mean, how many college students can afford iRacing as well as go to college too? Sometimes. Well, I mean, with this is this isn't well publicized. I mean, I picked this up in the last seven days. It ends only four days from now. NASCAR just published their part of it just today iRacing published theirs just, I think, four days ago. Um, and it's just been like one Twitter and one article, and it's not been a lot of hoopla. Another quick announcement, a junior graphic designer job is also posted at iRacing this week. So if you're a graphic designer and wanting to get in on the ground floor, this is probably for you. And we have a uh, question actually on a Twitter poll out from Dell Jr., and he's asking with the uh, 87 Buick LeSabre coming out, which design would you like to be the uh, the base design? And that, at a glance for me, I think I like B the best. That's what I picked, B. I like the stripes, um, and I like the blue hood. To be honest, I don't think you can go wrong with either of them. Well, yeah, they're all good. The, the, B, the B just kind of sticks out. I like... I kind of like A. A is a nice design. Like, that's an old bat design from the day. Put them all in there. I'm sure these all will have... Well, it's basically only two designs with flip colors, right? Yeah, B and D are. I mean, well, yeah. 
You're correct, as well as A and C. So this confirms this car is definitely coming in the build, pretty much. He says, yeah, yeah uh, coming to iRacing next month. Well, Mike, in the way that we like the uh, 87 car, it's awesome that they're going to bring this uh, another car to that series. I'll get it just because that was the first car I ever owned was a Buick. I mean, I already have an 87, so I doubt I would buy a second one, you know. But for people getting into 87s for the first time, yeah, you know, more choices, that's great, you know. And if I was buying an 87 for the first time, I would definitely buy the newer car and not buy the one that everyone else has, you know. Yeah, because it'll have, like, like you know how the 87 cars have different things on the interiors. This will have a really... An, a different type of interior than the other two cars with their unique uh, basic interiors. I can see, I can see some uh, old school NASCAR fans just collecting these though, as, as like a die cast almost, you know, they're probably such huge fans of the old days of NASCAR. I can see quite a few people probably getting more than one of these cars. Uh, the poll. Oh, sorry. Yeah. He just put the poll up a couple hours ago and he, has a ton of responses, including uh, James Falcon Pratt. This is funny. I have to read his Twitter response to Dale's tweet. He said, that car is ugly. How about the Oldsmobile with Buddy Baker or the Oldsmobile Cutlass or the Pontiac Grand Prix or maybe the Oldsmobile Delta 88 or, gee, what about the Oldsmobile driven by the King in 86 or 87? So many to pick from and you failed, Dale Jr., um, if I remember correctly, there was an option to vote for all this. So the failure seems to be on the end of the person trying to point out what Junior didn't do. I just think it's hilarious he's trying or to disparage Dale Junior. Declaring anything a failure when you're talking about a matter of opinions is silly. Well, and the fact that he's adding he's added two cars already that we never saw coming to this sim because of his prestige in iRacing as well. Tracks. Yeah. I, it, what is my theory? If you give somebody a million dollars, they'll complain that they didn't get two million. Well, I love this next guy's opinion. Man, he is right up my alley. Yeah, this is a good one, dude. So, uh, um, none other than uh, Formula One world champion Max Verstappen uh, was in an interview. interview. He, he posted a short video of it on TikTok. Um, and I, it looked like uh, because it was a short um, clip, it didn't really give the interview asking the questions. Uh, I believe the question had something to do about, you know, leaving home, you know, where do you go out to? And he basically says he doesn't really go out that much because he needs to concentrate on his iRacing career at home and he won't leave his home without his sim rig. So how badass is that? Max Verstappen is, is the man and he's just got another huge fan right here, buddy. Oh, I love it. I mean, oh, no, no, I can't go on holiday. I got to work on my iRacing. Are you kidding? Or I would have to take the sim with me. I love it. Well, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how tongue in cheek that was, and I, but I, I don't think it was very much at all with Max. No, I think he's, he's so dead dedicated. serious. He is so dedicated. Yeah, he is so dedicated to this, the sim, and just racing in any, in, in in any form. The dude, the dude just loves racing, and uh, can't get enough fix uh, in Formula One. He's got to do it at home all the time too. Well, I mean, he's got to do something to keep his mind off of them trying to steal the uh, championship with them every day from social media. 
So I just got it, the idea. We we need to get Max on the show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you know, because <laughs> I mean, if he loves iRacing so much, there's no reason he wouldn't come on. So how do we? I mean, does he have like PR people? Or, he has you know? a handler that wouldn't even allow it to happen. They their handlers are so into they they'll dictate any question we're allowed to ask to him. They record what he says to make sure it's in the best interest of himself and his image and the team. There's <laughs> you'd, you'd have a I, better I chance. Yeah, that's not even an idea. I think would even happen. I, I, I wonder what David. Would I'd have a better chance with Mike part. Davis, right? It'd be interesting to see what David thought of that. You'd have a better chance of asking him if he can take his Formula One car for a spin, and they'd be like, "Yeah, sure, go ahead." No, oh, I'm gonna try. So somebody out there who's listening. <laughs> Tell me who I contact, uh, who the PR person is. We're going to try. It, maybe it's probably, you probably could go through Lando Norris because he's always trolling Lando in his streams. I'd love to have Lando on. We'll try him too. We want to take a break from the show for a moment to tell you about our sponsor, Sim Coaches. Months ago, I made the switch to Sim Coaches from Load Cell Pedals. I can tell you from the experience, the difference is huge. I'm able to brake deeper than my competition and be smoother on the power exiting the corner. They have helped me a ton. Right now, for a limited time, Sim Coaches is offering our audience 10% off your order. You can't find a better deal anywhere else. Use code iRacersLounge at checkout. Head over to the simcoaches.com website and get yours now. Okay, let's go to housekeeping. Don't forget the Aftermath podcast. Don't forget our website, iRacersLounge.com. Great stuff, guys. Links to everything we talk about. We're on the Performance Motorsports Network. And fantasy, uh, boy, I hope you guys made your picks. I haven't. I better do it now. Yeah, everybody. Um, I just wanted to jump in here. Um, if you if you haven't joined us, you're, any listener is absolutely welcome. Uh, we encourage you guys to join the iRacers Lounge Podcast Fantasy League. So just go to uh, NASCAR's website and go to Fantasy, search for that league, um, and you can join in that and uh and make your picks with us see how you fare against uh our reigning uh champion and our uh, team champion uh tony groves um so yeah so get your picks in uh i think it's got to be like what an hour before and drops you have to have them in um so yeah get get in there get started and uh have a lot of fun with us yeah so it looks like there's 59 people in our uh little roster here for our fantasy league so, yeah, we'd like to, to have that grow, especially before the season starts. And I am ready to make picks, but I'm probably going to wait till after the duels and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. First, so, yeah, so you, over. Can, you can join all of us uh, with, uh, and join uh, great teams like uh, uh, McGrubbins Racing. Uh, you can join with, uh, um, let's see here. Groves Blew a Tranny. That's a team that's in this league. Groves Blew a Tranny. Oh, I love that one. Gills has a rash. He's That's one of the uh, the teams in the league. So, yeah. So, obviously, you can uh, you can tell we have a lot of fun with this. And, and it's a great, 
great, a lot of great fun all, all year round. Now, I might be speaking out of turn. Didn't Tony say we might be having prizes this time? Well, I might be speaking out of turn, but we'll we'll figure out uh, a trophy. We're we're going to figure out a trophy this year. So, everyone, join up. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, let's move on to the hardware software section. Mike, you got the first one. We're looking at um, uh, some super realistic lighting from Philips Hue. Yeah, D- Didier Canetta posted in his YouTube channel his Philips Hue lighting system on his sim rig, and uh, it looks great. I mean, he did a great job. How he made it really effective is he's got this black, I don't know what it is, a fiber board or a particle board or something kind of uh, around the back side of his rig, uh, around the back and on the left and right. And then he's got the lights above it shining kind of down into that that background, which really is providing a lot of reflection back to him and and, and really amplifying the effect that I have uh, on my rig. I have it, but it's very subtle um, the way I have it set up. But uh, the way he has it is really nice. I like when he comes down the one street away here and he, he switches sides of the road where it goes the shadows behind the grandstands and then it and then you go and then it goes dark and then when he comes out of the grandstands into the sunlight it just like it's like perfectly in sync of the sim when you look at the bottom right corner where he has a camera pointing kind of up from the ground up towards the lights you get a, a feel of how bright it actually is i mean when when the, when he has you know, bright sunshine. He literally has lights baking down on his face. Uh, so it, I don't know. I mean, it, the way he has it set could be a little bit distracting, in my opinion. And that's one reason I put my Philips Hue strip behind the monitors because I didn't want it to have it visually directly into my eyeball because of that effect. And so I ended up ending up with a more subtle effect because I didn't want that blindness kind of thing going on. The night, the night part of it too is crazy when he turns the lights on and off and it goes really dark. Yeah, and so he used regular bulbs, you know, like a round bulb, uh, which really gave it a lot of effect. Now I have three of those bulbs, but they're up in the the ceiling fan and above me, you know, and I have high ceiling, so it's not quite the effect that he's got with the way it reflects and he has them pointing directly at his head and whatnot. Very cool. But I mean, at this point, I think Phillips Hughes system should be a part of everybody's rig. Uh, it, it's expensive add on, but it's, it's a nice add on. Okay. Well, the um, next formula will that we are, that's very high priced and we're trying to talk Mike out of buying is the cube controls F pro. It oh, is a nice God. wheel, but it's also nearly nine hundred dollars or eight sixty euros. Got all kinds of buttons. Uh, it does have the the clutch pedals, at the, dual clutch pedals at the bottom, on the back side. Um, but boy, I can get the same thing uh, on that formula wheel that we, me and Brian, have with the advanced pedal modules. So, I just for my price point, I wouldn't spend it. Yeah, and so then you have to get the podium hub to go with it. So that's another 180. So at the end of the day, this is a $1,200 wheel if I buy it. And boy, I am, like you said, on the fence. 
because I want a formula wheel, I've decided. And uh, yeah, I could spend 600 on a Fanatec one with the advanced paddle module and a hub. Um, or I could spend 1200 and get something like this. You won't need a and, hub. Well, that's true. Yeah, you just need the pedal. You just need the uh, the club sport two point five and the advanced pedal. Mm, Five hundred. Five hundred. Okay. Yeah, David, the rotary knobs on yours are right thumb positions inside the thing, right? Yes. Yeah, so like on this one, that is the one negative on that setup is they they're too easy for me to hit, so I don't I never program them. What do you think about the ones that they have on the top of the grip of this one? It's That's probably, kind of an interesting. It's area probably to an have improvement. It. Yeah, it's probably an improvement because like, um, I was talking to some guys in, who were who were watching my stream. Yeah, there was somebody watching my stream, and um, they said that on the F one rim, they they turn it so little that they won't bump into the 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 things. But in the sports cars where I've got it set, you know, if if you're in a hairpin, I'm turning it about ninety degrees, and my thumb will collide with that hit setup. So. I've turned this into a project. I'm, I've been doing research, watching videos, everything there is on this wheel um, and other wheels. What am I comparing it to? Gomez Sim Industries. And in fact, I like this one better. Why? The, the fancy LEDs, to be honest, uh, the lighting uh, it, that's built into this wheel is cool and configurable. And... The way that my button box looks with the blue and the red lights, I can make this match that and it would look really cool. So the Gomez Sim Industries is roughly the same price. Doesn't have all the fancy lighting, but uh, this one does. And that's really what I'm kind of leaning on this one for. Um, but, you know, am I going to spend an extra $600 for a look? I don't know. I mean, I spent all this money on this the best cockpit money can buy, the best shifter I can find, the best steering wheel I can get, the best computer I can buy. Everything is like, you know, the best. And so why would I want to get the cheap wheel to go with it? So, you know, this is kind of like the cherry on top is how I was convincing my wife. You know, I spent all this money on the rig and this is the cherry on top. Hey, so, Brian, <laughs> Brian, make sure we put another $90,000 rig up on here. The next time he's talking about the fact that he bought the best of everything. Well, uh, for I a stationary one, rig. $140,000 that was an F1 cockpit the other day. That he... <laughs> this, this wheel is beautiful, though. The more I've watched video, I, the more I love it. And the, it's got some great software, like I said, where you can configure everything, um, including the bite points for the clutch and the lighting and, and all this. It's got labels. They even give you a pair of sim racing socks to go with it. My God. So it's on pre-order. It doesn't ship until April. This is, I think, their second batch um, since they've released it. If you remember two, three years ago when Cube Controls released their first wheel and became famous because uh, uh, what's the Formula One guy from Brit who uses it with McLaren? Lando Norris. Lando Norris, right. He had a, a cube control wheel. And that's how we became familiar with this company from Italy. Um, and so ever since then, I've always dreamed of a cube control wheel. This is actually the second version of it. And 
when you watch their material, they basically say, you know, we've gone and, and gotten feedback from everybody on the first version and, and made it better. And, and this is how we made it better. And so they, it's definitely an upgrade over their first version, which was a fantastic wheel as well. Now, did you watch the video on the original German? Yeah, a lot of these videos are in other languages. I couldn't find a lot of U.S. languages uh, on this wheel. Doesn't, doesn't the Gomez have the LCD screen, right? The, uh, they have yes. both. They have one with and one without screen. And that was another consideration. Do I need a screen on it? And I've decided I don't. Based on the fact I have my Android phone on the top of the DD1, I feel like that's enough. And and if I get a screen on it, that's that's really overkill. Well, speaking of the Gomes one, I do want to skip one here for a sec, uh, Brian. I'm going to skip past the one, and we'll go to this one that uh, it's not a direct comparison, Mike, to what you want there because you want a formula style. But they have a GT, uh, what they're calling it, the GT Max 32. Uh, they're calling it the most advanced sim steering wheel that they've ever made to date. Um, it's a carbon frame um, with just an absolute it's a, i think this is one of the nicest looking gt rims that you can buy it is it would be one that if i had the money this would be something that i would purchase yeah it's a beauty um i've been looking at the gomez website all week and then they dropped this brand new wheel the the gt wheel which is a round wheel with a flat bottom basically um i'm not in the market for a gt wheel but if i was i mean this is obviously a, a first choice. Well, and it's got multiple upon multiple rotary switches, um, but buttons galore. It has the LCD screen with the it looks like obviously LED lights on top and sides for programmability. Um, but it like you can't get much better than that for putting on a surface of a wheel. Like there's there's a button in every location or a switch covering that to have for everything you need would be need program wise. So if you go to their website and hit shop, you'll see they've always done formula wheels. This is their first time not doing a formula wheel. So, um, and I've been on this website a lot. I was comparing it, uh, my, my potential purchase to the, what they call the GXL pro Sapphire, which starts at 875, but that's without the clutch upgrade. So by the time you add carbon fiber in the clutch, um, the price increases to 1,112. And uh, that's about the same as the cube controls. So basically, uh, if I wanted to go with my color pattern, I'd have to go with the uh, Pro Elite Omega to go with the colors that I raise. I like that one with the neon look to it. Yeah, it's just a beauty. Tough decision, but I, I haven't made it yet. I have some money coming with taxes and different things. So I might just do this. I've been negotiating with the wife. She wants a pergola. I want a steering wheel. I think we might have an arrangement. Well, Brian, what do you think of the arrangement of this motion rig? Yeah, so this was a person from Kawasaki Ninja on his uh, YouTube channel, and it's uh, a video of his testing how his um, DIY mega motion system from e-racing lab so it's a um, this is actually one of their new um, offerings from um, e-racing labs it's the RS mega plus so the regular mega plus is just the four actuators um, and all the components with it the RS uh, mega actually has a, um, a a surge and active belt tensioner as well 
So uh, it's really cool. This thing is, he's got a really cool red uh, uh, 8020 rig that he's uh, testing this out in. Um, the, the motion is, is uh, fantastic. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, these, and, and I've said before, because this is basically where I got my uh, motion system from. This is the, the least expensive way to pull, um, full motion actuator system in your system. I've never seen any other systems that are compar comparative in price as the ones from eRacing Lab. So it's something worth checking out if, if you really, uh, really want to get motion. What a great video that really shows the capability of the of the system, you know. Right, and um, I think we mentioned this last a uh, while ago that eRacing Lab has uh, actually uh, improved their actuators that make them quicker, more responsive. It looks like he's got the ones with the longer uh, shaft, the longer strokes to them, so uh, it's got uh, more travel in it than uh, than the uh, the ten millimeter, yeah, ten millimeter one or hundred millimeter. But yeah, it's got it's got the 150 on it. And what a neat uh, rig where they got the seat belt tensioner, you know, built in. You know, there's a lot of 80-20 behind the seat, which is, you know, obviously on purpose for that for that uh, tensioner. Looks like he has the possibility of upgrading to the uh, crash system eventually down the road, right? <laughs> right. Well, it won't be as big of a problem because he's got the belts. <laughs> The only the, the next step will be uh, airbags. Oh God! Go. All right, we got another quick hit. Sim Labs is feeling that infl inflationary crunch with the rest of us, and regret to announce a price increase to the P1X by about fifteen percent. Wow, that's a big jump. But people will pay it. That's a pretty big jump, though. Uh, from you know. What are we about a month and a bit into this year? I mean, you could have, you could buy, you could have bought it uh, if you purchased it last year or anything. You're good, right? I'm glad I bought mine when I did. <laughs> they say they basically they held on to the prices while they were under contract for uh, for the supplies for a long term, but their contract's up now, and they're having they've had to negotiate a new price. It's uh, all aluminum. These uh, these uh, metals like this, aluminum is just. Pricing has gone through the roof, so it's it's bound to happen. And I'm wondering how many other uh, 20 systems have adjusted their price, but quite as much notoriety because uh, Sim Labs and the P1X is so popular and so uh, highly regarded. I mean, you know, it's hard enough to buy from Europe and shipping and you know import tax or whatever it is, and yeah, this is this makes it that much harder. Makes you want to shop local. Which is kind of what you decided, Greg. I mean, that was part of your decision was you wanted to get it from Canada. Well, it's, it's really hard as it is just to ship different countries as a, in general to do it. But the biggest thing is the shipping cost. So if you can find a company that's going to ship for free too, is that's a big help there. All right. Let's talk results. NIS Daytona Wednesday fixed. Tony Rochette P35 taken out on lap nine from dips going three wide. Fate is making sure I race bottom split with Groves on Friday night. David uh, Wednesday open P9. Yes, I was in position. Uh, 
ran in the lead all night. This was crazy. Uh, I got with a guy who understood that I could push really well, and he he was insanely fast. Because in fact, we got out in front finally towards the towards the middle of the race, and I heard somebody on the, on the in out in the pack, back of the pack say, "If if you don't get formed up, that guy's going to disappear on us." I'm talking about the guy that was in front of me, um, and we did. With five cars, completely left the entire pack under green flag conditions just ran away from them um we even short pitted and we were coming three to go with just four cars all by ourselves and one in the fourth place car got in an accident with the uh with the lapper i don't i, I didn't go back and look to see whose fault it was but that kind of screwed us over our tires were two stints old at this point i thought all right i'll take tires and and because there's only like eight cars in the lead lap, nine cars in the lead lap, it almost worked because because in that green white checkered, I was right back to the lead of the outside line and pulled down to side draft on the white flag and got net coded into the same guy that that had helped me pull all the way to the front from the beginning. We definitely talked about it at the end and we could tell it was net code. It was pretty unlucky. I posted it to you guys and you can see where I had already turned my wheels back to the right to straighten out and hold the second lane. But it, if by that point it had caused the impact and boom. So crashed out at the end, but still brought it home P9. Uh, so it's, it's a decent day, uh, but still disappointing. Okay, my finish, DNF. I had just gotten myself to the lead it was a four-second breakaway, too. Uh, the lead pack, was. Uh, we, I was actually running second. I was the pushing car. It was about lap 60. I was in control of the race. I was, like, trying to maintain the gap. Uh, Brian, you were watching. Uh, I, I think it was about four seconds, and I was able to hold it, but I wasn't able to grow it. Um, teammate Chris Scales was in my split. He had some... I would call it unorthodox pit strategy where he stayed out on one of the cautions. Um, so he had to pit under green and he was a lap down, but he was with that lead pack with us. So my plan as a good teammate was to get him in front of me. So he would be on the tail end of the lead lap should the caution come out. Um, and so we positioned that uh, we positioned it where he was in front of me. Um, and as soon as he got down in front of me, we were on the backstretch, about middle of the backstretch, and he was in fourth, apparently uh, trying to go to fifth gear, and he actually went to third gear. And uh, there was nothing I could do. I plowed right in. I I'd let off the gas completely. I plowed in. I ended up wrecking the field. Uh, Chris was able to go on. I don't know how he finished. Brian, you uh, watched the replay on that. I mean, you think Chris just had a hardware failure? Or? Yeah, I, he did have some kind of weird issue go on. It was not something where he missed a shift even. He wasn't you. I you know, I figured for sure he was using a uh, sequential um, stick shifter, and you know, we've been racing H patterns for all these years. It's so easy to go backwards, you know, when you think you're going up. I watched an interview with the uh, with the. Um, with Harvick uh, yesterday, um, where he was talking about how he keeps telling himself, shift up to go to third, shift up from third to fourth, I mean, shift up. And he keeps telling himself over and over because he's so afraid he's going to pull down to go from third to fourth, and that would just, uh, you know, just blow his motor or whatever. So um, that's what I originally thought is maybe he was using that sequential. 
spectral shifter, but he was actually using pedal shifters, and he did he didn't even uh, didn't even hit the down one. He doesn't doesn't know what happened. Yeah, you don't, so you don't pull to uh, upshift on a sequential. On a on the wheel I do. or the stick. You pull back. Uh, you pull back up. to upshift. I'm sorry, I got it the wrong way around. But yeah, see, and that's it. why it's confusing. I've I've done it too I, with the sequential gone the wrong way. I did that. Uh, I first, when uh, they first came out this next gen car, I started using the stick sequential. After I screwed up like twice, I was like, forget it. I'll just use paddle shifters. I I've gotten used to the sequential, and uh, we were just talking in chat about somebody wants to buy the SSH, and it can go back and forth between the H and, and stick or H and uh, and sequential. But um, I'm so used to the sequential now, I don't think I want to switch back and forth. Uh, the only way I kind of figured out you're supposed to pull on sequential is if you're in a skip barber, you can actually see the sequential animated pull back when you upshift. So. I was nervous uh, through the first 60 laps of this race because I was just being cautious and I had trouble kind of picking my way forward. I kept picking the wrong lane as Brian was watching. Um, I eventually got got to, got to where I needed to be and I was happy, uh, you know, again, because going into this race, I didn't feel the normal confidence I usually do. And uh, to get up front eventually and to be you know in control of the race you know with that breakaway with a four second lead it felt really good it felt like i'm back it feels like you know this is where i should be you know up front leading laps um you know it's a tough break with chris i mean he also had a microphone problem and so we had trouble communicating he could hear us we couldn't hear him and so i don't know if that was part of it but i mean he had a problem and uh, i got caught up so it was a tough deal I went and uh, cooled off, came back, Greg, and jumped into your race to see, because you were leading laps like crazy, and uh, I messed you up. I'm sorry. Yeah, none of that has to do with you, Mike. I'm. <laughs> that's on me. I should have just gone with how I was doing the rest, the whole race. That was me changing. That was me coming down, you know, where we have 50 to go or something like that when you came in, and it was probably more of me just fatigue from working all day and excitement of that I was doing so well and it was probably the car to beat in that whole race uh, but uh, I wrecked um, kind of, the worst part is it's discouraging is you know you know I took the blame for it I did I screwed up the worst part is is everybody's in there calling you a moron it's like you didn't even have it closed you're, you're I don't even know what you're thinking doing all this stuff like like everybody's perfect and it just it seemed to be unnecessary for one little I know it was late in the race too because we had gone 150 laps too I mean that doesn't help but it just it was unnecessary after I took full blame for it yeah you made a nice apology and yeah so the situation was I mean you were obviously leading laps there was a restart you're on the uh, outside getting pushed uh, there's two guys on the inside you know they're pushing too you guys get a run you you're you're being pushed out to the lead i'm i for the first time i'm watching and for the first thing i say hey you're clear and you were for a moment if because you had the momentum so if you had pulled down at that very second i said that you would have been clear and but I think that's just it waited delay, right? yeah there was like a, maybe you waited three quarters of a second i was just a little hesitation but well, that was enough and and you and you started to go down like three quarters of a second later 
and he was already there and it was too late and you spun yeah and it's just what i what i should have done and what i was calculating is when i'm making that move you have to be moving forward away from the cars when you try to make the move down you can't try and come down as they start to try and momentum coming back towards you that's where i i screwed up i should have cleared them still pulling on them instead of trying to clear them when they started getting their speed back up yeah and it was a timing thing and it and i wasn't not watching as a spotter i was watching as a ghost and maybe i wasn't in sync completely who knows i mean uh but from my vantage point yeah you just delayed a little bit and then it was too late at that point so it was just one of those things like the like the other week when david could could have pulled down in front of alan he had just a moment to do it and he could have in that one little second you know there was and that's how much time you had in that moment but it wasn't timed right so man i'm sorry about uh that i did that Uh, it's like i said it's I'm driving the race car, so anything, anything in it between my ears is my. It's what happens in that race car is my my doing. Well, and that's the thing. We try to help each other with spotting, and it's 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 informational only. Again, the driver should drive the car. Brian, you didn't run. You were watching a lot. Um, tell us about Tyler's race. He got wrecked out early. Yeah, poor guy. So uh, I watched him. I. I I jumped into his race just like two or three laps into it. And man, uh, he was on lap six, or some 200 laps, lap six. He was running the high line. He was trying to stay safe at the back of the pack. And uh, these are these two cars on the bottom line. One of them pushed the other one on the left rear going into turn one. So he was pushing him in, in the middle of the turn, wasn't uh, squared up. He sent him right up the track with another car and Tyler just T-boned right into that mess. Um, got four minutes and some odd uh, seconds of um, damage. Um, none of it was required. So uh, he went to the pits, started working on, working on it for a little bit. And we all told him, you know, just get out there and try to stay on the lead lap and uh you know worry about getting your car fixed during uh cautions and stuff like that so uh he did that and uh apparently that front end damage messed something up because uh about two laps later he just blew sky high um so yeah his car blew up right after that it was not a good good night for tyler yeah we were telling him nah, you don't need to fix that optional just go back out there but then uh, yeah it blew up yeah so apparently uh this fr- front and damage on this next-gen car could be pretty sensitive to uh, blow-ups. Plus, you can't take takeoff once you're hurt. Mm-hmm. So Tom Dryling ran with us. He had his mic. Pro- he had a mic problem, so we don't. I don't know how he finished. And then Stephen Llewellyn also ran with us. Uh, last I heard, he was running like top ten near the end of the race, but I don't know where he finished. All right, let's keep moving. Official. Uh, I ran actually Carb Cup Charlotte twice wrecked myself out guys it is super hard and this is good practice uh in this car at this kind of track and i think i need it because i like i said i wrecked myself out you got to pretend you have an egg under the throttle kind of thing if if you're goosey at all it's coming around uh off two or four can't wait for those races 
How about the fast track league duels? David, P10. Yeah, we set qualifying and everybody on the team, except me, was in duel two. I, I ran duel one, uh, but still was able to keep it towards the front. Um, and I was, I got, I was leading late, but probably a little too, too soon because it, the outside formed up a big line and there's, you know, at that point there was just nothing to do, but wait until it passed and get back behind them. And I was back behind them and a couple of other people got into each other and there's just nowhere to go and yeah, wrecked out. So. All right. And then I got wrecked out when our teammate, Adam Jocelyn self spun off four. Um, theme of was Justin or of Adam's thing at eh? week. Yeah, so Adam, yeah, he and he just lost it. I mean, I don't know if he was turning the wheel too much or but he was in a one of those alternate setups we were working on and but uh, I got caught up in that. Now I wasn't feeling good at, about how I was running at that point. Um, everybody was too wide and nobody would take it three wide at all. Nobody. And so we were like yeah, are we even supposed to in this league? I mean, that's kind of how it felt. But um, I wasn't running great when I got spun out because that kind of led to some of my anxiety going into the 500. Greg, uh, you and Bobby, though, man, you guys were looking good at the end. I was watching. I And I'll tell you my advantage point of, of, of how you guys were running. It was a late restart. Uh, you guys were leading that the, the top uh, the bottom line. Uh, lined up and the top line came was coming hard you guys kind of pulled up I think Greg you pulled up in front Bobby started to but then he aborted you ended up coming back down and then those guys got the run they ended up with the lead and you guys were stuck basically on the bottom behind some cars yeah one of the cars had gotten pat like even before that on the restart I think Bobby and I started I want to say fourth or fifth in line or something maybe third in line Bobby was right behind me and we were kind of content to stay on the bottom for a bit there and then what had happened is I'm not sure if it was a lap car or something something broke apart the front and I jumped to the outside and when you get on that left rear quarter panel of somebody you can drag them so far back and with Bobby pushing right from behind I got on that one guy's quarter panel and I slowed him down so much that he slowed the bottom line up and we were able to both go around and, and take the lead and I think we led like five laps or in a row there until they formed the top and when they formed the top I thought about going up there and then I stayed down but what I wanted to do and I, I did it later on I I didn't put successfully do it in that race what I wanted to do but I had I got to do it in the 500 whereas when somebody came up to me I move up the track and I side draft their left the right side or their left side of their their quarter panel and slow them down which I wasn't able to get on to when they were coming around on the outside of us, I wanted to drag them back or at least break them up. And I just missed when they came by. So they got around us. And when the guy came around us, he dropped down to the bottom line. But what he did broke the momentum of the whole bottom line. And then we got, I think, the, I think another three or four cars went by on the top side. Yep. You guys were looking good there. Uh, Bobby pushing like crazy. Bobby, uh, Bobby's always competitive when it comes to the restricted plates and being a pusher. All right. I ran hosted. Uh, Chris McGuire hosted up the weekend events. Uh, so much fun. The Kia at Talladega. Uh, the old cup car at Talladega. And then Daytona prototypes at Texas. Um, what a blast. 
uh, Thursday night, the Man Cave After Dark uh, Truck League. I actually missed it because it was at Nashville Fairgrounds, and I actually don't own the track, and uh, I didn't buy it for this. So you're getting ready to buy a $1,000 wheel, but a $10 track is out of the question. Well, I'm going to kind of phase out of this league. <laughs> You know, I'm not going to run it full time because uh, I'm going to try to run Road to Pro for a while. Three weeks. Priorities, tops. Brian. Priorities. Three weeks tops. Well, maybe. Well, it's every other week, so as long as I can keep it on my calendar, I'm aware of it. We'll see. OBRL trucks. It was Dwayne MacArthur wins the championship with Jason Higginbotham uh, taking the win at Auto Club. You pretty much just. Good lord. Just fill in the blank after that. <laughs> they need to, like, I think David said it last week, they need to put a bounty on him and do something. All right. Suck if he wasn't such a nice guy. <laughs> I mean. All right, let's get into final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. All right, so, uh, yeah, I had a really good time watching you, know, watching you guys race last night. I had things that kept me from getting in on in time, but that was all right because I was really planning on uh, – Hitting tomorrow night's uh, open race, so Friday night will be my shot at a Daytona 500. Um, I haven't heard anything from Tony Groves lately. He's defending champion, so uh, wishing him good luck in his in his upcoming race. And then a couple of Daytona races on the weekend for uh, some league races coming up. It's Daytona all, all the time, baby. I can't wait. All right. Yeah, fun to have you uh, spotting and doing different things last night as well. David Hall, final thoughts. Just excited for NIS to be back um, and having fun running at Daytona. I hate the lottery, but I still do well there. So we'll, hopefully we'll get, get one in here this week. Yeah, hopefully I get a finish in. Greg Hectus, final thought. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about there, uh, Mike, we ran the uh, the Legends race on that uh, the Sim 500 uh, league Saturday oh, night. Saturday. And it was at Michigan, and <laughs> that was a tough race on tires and equipment, and I don't remember where you finished, but... I did bad. That's why I probably forgot about it. And uh, I was running it. We were run we had some strategy in the middle of that race because it was going to be a fuel race, and I was, I was actually going to the point where I was shutting the car off, coasting in the corner, and kicking it back, back on... To save, I, I saved five laps of fuel <laughs> by the time it was done, and then the caution came out to ruin the fuel mileage race. But uh, I'm excited. I, I signed up for the uh, Get Her Done Racing League um, to run the Thursday night races for them. Thursday night? Aren't you Thursday. busy Thursday night? Well, I, I would step on right now afterwards and go straight into it. No practice. <laughs> Is that the GT GT series? Yeah, the GT three one. Okay, cool. Um, they're doing a fun race tonight. I was I just looked at it. I thought I thought I was going to miss the first race of the second season, but it's just a fun race tonight. Um, anyways, uh, I'm looking forward to Friday night running another um, five hundred. I'm I'm not really uh, a restrictor plate slash whatever you want to call it nowadays at Daytona or Talladega, but this car. And configuration seems to have unlocked a way of racing it that seems to work for me. So I'm just excited to race, uh, racing it, and uh, 
Let's see if we can get a finish. I only lost, I just looked it up, I only lost six I rating from that crash last night. That's how many the attrition of the field had gone out. All right. Uh, my final thoughts, man, it's fun to have a project again around sim racing equipment, doing research, watching YouTube, seeing what people say, uh, trying to find what's best for me, that cherry on top. And um, the hardest part is not trying to cost justify it, the purchase, because, uh, you know, you go through life trying to cost justify everything you'll never buy anything. And uh, I don't know, it's a, it's one of those things, carpe diem, you only live once. And so I'm probably gonna do it. Um, why? Because I can. Um, so that's what's gonna happen. And even though uh, I don't use it much, maybe it will drive me to do more road racing. I'm, I'm thinking that would that would happen. Uh, I'd be more likely to, uh, to get involved in road racing, so. Uh, we're going to probably do it. That's the one I'm going to choose unless something else comes up or somebody points me in another direction. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. And with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. Facebook and Twitter. See you on the track.